0: actually known each other for like four years you're a musician teacher and and a guardian for the wuarica community so basically when we're saying that you're someone who has helped marikames the medicine men organize ceremonies and you've introduced people to the communities and you've created music that's now you know played in in their ceremonies not just by yourself so yeah tell me Peyote is a masculine containing plant medicine, a cactus used as a sacrament by the Wawarika people, but what does it
1: mean to you? Peyote changed my life. It showed me there's another dimension to life that I wasn't in touch with before, and it's not to do with magical dimensions or stuff like that. It's rather, it, it showed me that. And I, in a way that I really understood, not just with my rationality, but I knew in my uh, like with every, within every cell of myself that I was the author of my experience. I realized I was, I I could affect my life. So peyote showed me this, and the path I took ever since. This experience has been that of uh, a life I live happily. Uh, it led me to decide to have a family and care for it. And I guess I believe it also affected my, my view on morals, like my ethic with everything, uh, the way I work, the way I engage with life and every. It's uh, I would say peyote has been my teacher of how life is.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because yeah, my path, if you like, with um, plant medicines, yeah, really began um, four years ago when I was in Mexico and a mutual friend of ours. In, introduced us, and suddenly you said that you 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 guys were heading to do a harvest and and a ceremony in the desert, and I kind of tagged along. Although we didn't really find a way to to kind of get there, and the night before you you were scrambling to like rent rent a car or something. What, were were we
1: supposed to be getting the train or something, and it went wrong? Or mm, no, the train. I I wouldn't know how to arrive there by train, and. Uh I think we weren't taking the bus cuz it would have taken us too long and we would have not arrived in time. So the good thing is that we did arrive, no? And um yeah, kindly I think a guy like
0: r- drove through the night for us. Yeah. I re- I remember sleep- sleeping in the back very very soundly on on the way. Um <laughs> And but you'd been to many harvests before. I didn't even bring a knife with me. I didn't even know. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Even when we were looking for the for the piote, I was I was just like totally at a loss. I got lost from the group. Uh, I guess I was going through my own process. I was like, "Why am I even here?" This kind of imposter syndrome. But I remember you had quite a good haul, Costa Chaste
1: Bien. Yeah. Tell me what what's the secret? You know, first time I went there to harvest, I. Also didn't bring a knife. <laughs> <laughs> and I, if I found a couple of peyotes, I, I was lucky, no? But um, I guess that the place, the desert itself, has got a very interesting and powerful vibe or energy. I don't want to sound too hippie, but yeah, uh, I a mean, uh, powerful energy that might DC you or make you confused or
0: tired you know I felt very dizzy and tired I hadn't even eaten any peyote it was hot but there was something I was I was kind of lost
1: yeah yeah it's not only like the weather because of course every desert can extenuate you or (laughs) uh, but yeah there's something going on in that area for sure and uh, yeah it's a UNESCO sacred site I, yeah, I think, like, that seven, around 70% of the plants that grow there are en, endogenous. Is that the word in English? They Psych- on, psychedelic? No,
0: and that they only grow there. Oh, endogenous. They're, they're, like, indigenous to that land. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. And
1: that they won't grow anywhere else. So, yeah, there's, like, a lot of riches in, in that place. And... So
0: I guess before we go any further... It's, it's probably remiss not to mention, you know, some heavy hitters like Michael Pollan and others, the Native American church, concerned about the conservation of, of peyote because it, it, it is under threat um, for various reasons. Peyote tourism, as, as we're discussing, and agricultural food companies coming into the area um, and also messing with the um, water because they need, they need so much water to... To feed that feed their tomatoes, so I, th- I think it's important for us to, as certainly myself as, as a white British person to be very conscious of how much peyote I might consume um,
1: but what's your view on the whole thing? Well, first off, farming in a desert is just preposterous or ridiculous, and uh, anything done just because it 's cheaper and search of profit without taking into account like the environment or the circumstances that that are going to be affected by this profit seeking. I do not agree with that. I'm also like a person, a a white Mexican. Uh, I'm not an indigenous or fully indigenous Mexican people with the right to go and uh, cut or harvest hikuri or Sorry, could is like the, the radical name for peyote. Sure. Uh, I do think that not all laws or rules are to be followed. I believe that this cactus and the, the spirit that lives in it is here on this earth for any anyone that wants to approach it, get to know it, maybe develop a relationship with it. I think that... As with everything you will be received or welcomed in the same manner as you approach it i have like one one foot on like this western rational mind frame and i understand that resources are finite and should be taken responsibly and i have another foot in this mind frame that's been affected by my experiences with peyote itself and that we radical people.
0: Yeah, I mean, is this, is this kind of like faith in the unknown that meant that until recently, you know, some communities weren't even collecting the seeds from the peyote, right? they just <laughs> to, to replant in ceremonies. I, I've been in ceremonies where the seeds haven't been collected.
1: Yeah, I've, I've always kept the seeds because, I mean, or gathered them for someone because they told me to do so, but I do not know of anyone that actually plants them. <laughs> Some marakames have told me that, and I believe, the, I, I, I do give this a chance to be real, uh, peyote appears magically sometimes.
0: And the marakame is like the medicine man or woman from oh. the, the Wuaraka community. But there's this whole cosmology with the deer at center stage. They believe that Peyote grows in the footsteps of the deer that wanders across the desert. Where did that idea come from?
1: Uh, pff, poetry, really old poetry. The sky is blue, so they believe that this deer is so big that we're watching its belly when we see the sky, so they extrapolate that the whole deer is blue. And um, the to are, are very interesting. They worship the maize, the hikuri, and the, and the deer. And these are like, these represent, each of these elements represent three different states of like the development of human culture, mm-hmm. like the hunting, the gathering, and the farming. Stages, So I guess it's likely that a deer was of great value for them when they were hunters. And thus they put it, like, on top of their altar. Also, maybe they have a relationship or their ancestors had a relationship, like a real relationship with other life species
0: uh, or even the fire there's the spirit of Tatiwari they have a very interesting
1: relationship with yeah, keeps you warm at night Uh, lights your way could consider it like sun on the earth Mm -hmm. it's difficult not to agree with the the fire being a life giving force, no?
0: absolutely, Uh, and you can see people in ceremonies and like reading
1: reading the fire and, and having having visions, yeah, I wonder sometimes if it 's not like my optical nerve just being overstimulated in the dark or um, yeah, fire is wonderful wherever mm-hmm. you see it in the stove or in a bonfire it 's just a massive amount of energy transforming everything around it, so mm-hmm. totally i 'm sure there are. Many things happening that I just can't explain or we can't explain yet.
0: Why don't you tell me a bit about like how the Wirarica have defended their culture and their community throughout this time against the Spanish conquistadors and through to the current moment. It is, it is I've never visited the communities themselves, but have spent time with the traveling Maracames and, and their families. And yeah, it's very, very impressive the way they've preserved their language and their customs, as I say.
1: Yeah, first off, I'd like to say that I became really interested in these guys and was able to invest time and energy into getting to know them. So um, the term guardian that you said at the beginning, I I feel honored or like, uh, I feel like a big responsibility to be considered that. I have learned a lot, for sure. Because this was like the main focus of my life for the past six years before I became a father. And most of what I've learned is a mixture of bonfire talks with people that don't speak Spanish. Also like visions or understanding ha-ha moments that come from mm-hmm. ceremonies and you know a, a little reading as well, some archaeological texts or stuff like that. But these guys that we Radica probably were the same people that started doing cities in ancient Mesoamerica, uh, and Nahuac I think it was called back mm-hmm. then. And, but the guys that are with Radica today, they just decided to stay hunters. And uh, what's the opposite of sedentary? Uh, nomadic. Nomadic, yeah. And um, I think this speaks of a special flow, like a, ne- a never-adapting nature. Uh, and I see that in, in them right now. Like, I wasn't around during the Spanish conquest or the Mexican revolution or the Cristero wars. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am around now. I've seen how they learn and respect everything that affects them. And they incorporate it to their practices. So I think they still have this unbroken lineage because they just run with it. They just like, if life gives them lemons, they make lemonade. Lemon. <laughs> Certainly. And yeah. the peyote does, does still grow, as
0: well as what grows naturally in the desert. There are a number of conservation projects that many people around the world have, have contributed to. So, yeah, it's really amazing. It's clearly changed a lot of people's lives and in popular culture. There was a Patti Smith album recently that referenced peyote. The title and there's obviously we which is the colonial word for Weareca jewelry that that's mm. popular all, all over the world, especially especially here in Mexico. Um, and some of the most famous trips. I mean, Aldous Huxley's Doors of Perception. He was under the influence of mescaline, and mescaline, I think, was the first psychedelic to be synthesized in the lab. I, I checked it before we did this. 1897. Mescaline was synthesized from peyote and and that led to Aldous Huxley, um, Hunter S. Thompson. So it is incredible what what influence such a relatively small community and and their practices and their sacrament has has
1: had on the world. Yeah, I think it's one of the oldest traditions that uses these entheogenous plants, no? Yeah. Uh, Don't know about Ibogaine, but uh, don't know if it's as old or it claims to be as old as,
0: as the with radical ways. I think there's just evidence, there's just clear evidence for, for the, the, the length of time that peyote has been consumed vis-a-vis other, other psychedelics for whatever reason. I don't know, maybe stuff's easy, easier to res-
1: preserve in, in the desert than a, than a jungle. <laughs> <laughs> or it's easier to get to the desert than through the jungle. Indeed. Yeah, less, less
0: machete work. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. And and the ceremonies the ceremonies really are really are quite something. They kind of vacillate between being like a party everyone dancing to the sound of very distinct instruments that are like variations on violins or banjos with singing and then there'll be like a round where the marakami will come around and and bless everyone. And then there'll be a moment where he's kind of channeling some kind of spirit or singing these extremely old songs that have been passed down orally in in the Wiradjuri language, and, and then that process will repeat about five times. <laughs> um, and sometimes it's preceded by the whole group having to write down every single sexual partner they've ever had, and everyone saying it out to each other, and then putting the list wrapped around a twig in the fire to kind of release the energy. So it, it's a real kaleidoscope of activities and practices. How would you sum
1: up? The- I would tie this with the, the, the with Radica being like a very flowing culture. The, you said that it oscillates between like uh, really serious stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like the- yeah, it goes between the introspective and the extrospective, if that's the word. yeah. And, uh, and I think this speaks of the, the radical nature, like they preferred to isolate themselves up in the mountains rather than engaging in, like, frontal combat with whomever threatened them along their history, as opposed to the, to the Native American cultures that ha- were, have this, like, military discipline in their mm-hmm. ceremonies. These guys would rather just play music and dance, enjoy themselves. Yeah, I think that there's, a, there's a wisdom to this being playful all the time. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when hikuri kicks in and the experience gets serious... Yeah, they call it payotado. And yeah. payotado, yeah. And when you really see like the edge of your understanding or go beyond it and things start getting uh, not only confusing but really challenging for you to grasp what's better than to have a laugh, you no? Know? And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned from them, just be able to, to crack a nice
0: joke. Yeah, the ceremonies are, as I say, are always punctuated. It's never one mood for too long. No. Um, and they really like to fool around. I remember Feliciano, especially, you organized a ceremony at your parents' house out of town once. Yeah, really, really funny guy. I wonder
1: how he's doing today. Um it's been a while since I've seen him, maybe half a year. He's doing good. Uh, the thing with Feliciano is that he took on this position of responsibility in his community. And he had to be the sacred clown for five years. <laughs> and so we agreed upon... Is there a word for it? Is it Hakuda? That's Hayoka. Hayoka is like the word for, for, for the same, sort of the same role in some northern cultures. Okay. The, the radical way is Chikwaki. Chikwaki. The sacred clown, which is like a, maybe a simplification. To, mm-hmm. Like there's something lost in the translation, but for sure a um, powerful position to have. And uh, I tried to help him and support him for a year by organizing these ceremonies with him. It seemed to
0: me that he was... He wasn't playing any role. It seemed very, like,
1: inherent. He's a likable guy. My impression is that when these guys take on these roles or these positions of responsibility, some energy grants them some extra power or energy. He certainly does have some kind Magical of powers. Power, yeah,
0: yeah I, re- I remember. I remember... At the end of this ceremony, he came to me and he had some kind of arrow. Yeah. And he spat, spat on it and put some on my chest and then used the arrow as some kind of straw. And suddenly I could see a knight in shining armour leaving my body. And I did certainly feel at the moment and afterwards that there was a kind of warrior archetype of my ego that maybe isn't especially in some aspects, helpful, kind of leaving my body. I, I definitely still am, you know, like determined. It's not suddenly it leaves and, you know, yeah. the, the like ego or the, the fighter leaves,
1: but yeah, something happened in that moment. You know, ever since that time, every time I've seen you, you look a lot more shabby, so <laughs> not so. Now, uh, for sure, the thing that the, the arrow you describe is what they use to like move energy, called movieri, mm-hmm. which translates to feather. But yeah, um, I love something about this culture, and is that it's the that no maracame learns from another maracame. They all learn from the fire and from hikuri, so they've all got their techniques, and Feliciano for sure helped me as well. A
0: couple times. Pamparios. Pamparios. That's thank you in, in, in the Wiaraca language. You, you just mentioned the word for the, the energy arrow, are there other, any, other,
1: any other words that, that come to mind? Like important words in wirarica you just said the most important, mm-hmm. pamparios. Because it is like, a. I could feel it,
0: like there's a real gratitude that flows through them for everything, for
1: all, all objects are, are considered sacred. Yeah, a lot of love as well. I yeah. They respect everything, so they learn from everything, so they can live with everything, and that thus they adapt, as I've said before. And I remember this one ceremony in which some creepy energies were lurking around us, Yikes. and the way the maracame sang. Because the Maracame sings to you, to move energy, the way he sang was um, with a lot of love. Even though they were creepy, maybe they were creepy or spooky to me. No, mm-hmm. but it seemed to me that he, that he sang with love and explained to them what we were doing and that they had no place there. So, um, yeah, they are genuine in their. Or most of the ones that I've gotten to know are genuine in the in their welcoming manners and in the the way they give uh, whatever they give to you. Of course, yeah, of course.
0: But obviously, obviously, some some communities are more welcoming to people from outside the Wirraka traditional community than than others, right? right? And. There's marakamis now traveling across the world, sharing the medicine, um, using that money to help their communities. Others are more kind of insular. Um, How is that playing out? They live on the Pacific side
1: of the two ridges that go through America, sure, or North America. And um, yeah, I I have been fortunate enough to to get to know the, the more friendly community, the more welcoming community I have heard of other communities that do not welcome strangers so much, or that rather, they don't like outsiders working hand-in-hand hand with, the, with the native with radical people uh, that's not the case with the people of San Andres, which, is, which are the people I, I know I think you are welcomed as, in the same way as you approach them, if they see a good heart and commitment and real interest they are happy to share and regarding the the traveling around of the Warlika people I've seen them in my experience uh, accompanying them being very well received by people interested in their ways people concerned about the ecological threats to their territories mm-hmm. and and well they, they are they have a very flashy Cosmovision, no?
0: Um, And some of the outfits are are very, (laughs) very very impressive. They wear these kinds of white, long-fitting robes with red, blue, purple embroidery and tassels and these large, they're not sombreros, they're like a mix between a kind of sombrero and a more like Australian kind of bush hat, but then with also tassels coming down. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, very beautiful
1: love. very beautiful way of uh, engaging with the world and making their art and it's been great to to reach out for help in a way, because that's what how this started, I think uh, reaching out to to raise some awareness about the, the, the ecological threats and also raising some money to, to try to buy land in the desert and avoid it, it being it sold to someone that was going to destroy it.
0: Yeah, because that's the thing. They never lived in, in the land of, of the Peote. They, they were kind of nomadic communities, as we said, living, living further north, and, and they would make these pilgrimages once or twice a year to, to harvest medicine. But now with these highways and big tomato fields it's difficult for them so you know they're trying to buy some land um, and having some success but I understand that obviously some communities don't have these medicine men that invite people in or that go traveling and like in other other traditions in the Amazon that this is this has led maybe to some tensions
1: for sure I've seen it work both ways some people have been some shamans that go out have been able to 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 fulfill their responsibilities and provide for their families and communities. I've also seen people, shamans come back with what's like a, a large sum of money for them and and, and just spend it on, on beers and trucks. And that's not a cool combination. No? Yeah,
0: no, that is awful. And it's strange because psychedelics are meant, meant to lead to kind of more heightened states of consciousness. But I guess money has a certain nature and if one isn't doing kind of like integration or preparation and working on themselves like before or after having these psychedelic experiences
1: yeah thing things can get a bit lost along the way for sure and greediness is like a disease that can get anyone no matter where you come from or the habits you have or what you eat they're not immune to like the ills the, of the modern yeah, modern world like our influence we also have very good things to offer to them, Yeah. no? And I guess they've also gained in, in this relationship that they have established with us, us, like, Westerners mm-hmm. or non-Indigenous cultures. But um, just a, a, a small parenthesis on what you said. They You said that they never lived in the desert, actually. But one of these... Uh, texts that I've read that like the more academic serious stuff says that a probable origin of the Wizradika people is well, this ancient culture called Kashkan. And these guys used to they were nomadic indeed, but they used to dwell in in like the the area that is now the desert of San Luis Potosi where the Hickory grows. So this pilgrimage that thousands of years after dwelling there that they do now, uh, I th- I believe it's done with some degree of uh, what do you call it when when someone is like cast cast away or cast out of its community? Oh, uh, mar- marooned, marooned, exiled, yeah, exiled. Yeah, there's like this melancholic pain, mm. like going back home from an exile mm-hmm. uh, when they do the pilgrimage, and. Uh, But yeah, they currently don't live in the desert. Yeah, and when I joined
0: this full pilgrimage a couple of years ago, we visited sacred sites from Teotihuacan all the way through the desert and through Guadalajara to the coast of Nayarit in in San Blas. And there was even like this island 750 meters off the the coast. Did you swim to it? Yeah, we swam to it. There was three of us. Three of us made it. Me, Franz, Rodrigo. And Franz just jumped down. And this was the morning after a ceremony. It was was pretty crazy, to be honest. He jumped down immediately. And I realized now that he'd been carrying this magazine of like Spanish holidays, but there was a rock in it that reminded him (laughs) <laughs> of, 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 the, of this rock, and it, he, you know, because he'd been there before and he hadn't made it, and he was really determined to, to make it there this time and, and bless the statue with some, with some jewelry. So he just jumped down straight away. And, th- you know, this was about 30 meters up as well, up this rock. And then Rodrigo got, got the jitters, and eventually, I was about five minutes, like climbed down this rope, but I was just kind of like paralyzed at the top having some kind of, I don't know, sensory overload or my heart was beating so fast. I was breathing really heavily. I could see the rocks down there, but I could also see a quite large, you know, perfectly fine seemingly part of ocean to jump into where Franz had jumped. And I was there for about 20 minutes, everyone left. Everyone left and it was only then mystery, amazingly, the name of this woman swam out and like helped guide me down with the rope. So yeah, we made it. And then a fisherman gave us a ride back because oh. it would have been a pretty exerting swim back. Um, so yeah, I guess what I, what I saw is that, yeah, the footprints of the, of the deer are all, all across Western, Western Mexico and, and further afield. Yeah,
1: it's a big deer and it's a big rock and it's not an easy swim. It was and against the tide out there. <laughs> So you could have come back without the fishermen, but...
0: Yeah, we were going... We, it would have been with the tide. And there were so many, like... This rock, you know, it, it was just inhabited by kind of seagulls. It was covered in bird shit. I had splinters in my feet for months afterwards. I just kept finding new ones. But I guess that's what happens on a pilgrimage, right? I just have
1: to say that this story that you just told, that's the reason why France is called Tiger. <laughs> he just jumped to it,
0: yeah. Um, and he made the commitment as well. There's commitments that the community kind of invites people to make in 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 the tradition of of their own culture to come and harvest and sit with the medicine for five years consecutively. I, I know you've made this commitment too.
1: Yeah, for sure. Everything for the Wicarica people runs in five. in in numbers five so five years or five times depending on how much haste you have uh, or how pressured you are I was invited to be the musician for uh, a deity that they have got in Tateke, which is like the big the big community and that was something I did for five years I am very thankful to have been invited and it was a lot more complex than what I imagined. I just finished last January 2022. Uh, happy it's over, but very thankful of having been given the opportunity. And you, you made an EP as well with, with, with one of the guys, Eusebio. Yeah, Eusebio was my, well, he, 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 he invited me to pilgrim for the first time with his family. And I like him very much. He's super cool. We're the same age. He, he has always been very open with me about his lifestyle. And uh, we've shared, and I guess we've grown together.
0: Um, and he's an incredible violin player. I don't know the, na- the, name, of, the name of the
1: exact instrument, but yeah. Yeah, he's, he's an amazing musician, very intelligent person all around, and um, yeah, I did some music with him, we were playing together for this god, and uh, you know, there, there are some responsibilities that come with with this position, mine was like one of the smallest, I mean, I, I wasn't the most, I wasn't in charge of the, the god itself, <laughs> I was just a guitar player, but I did have to buy some stuff, and you know, Toll booths on the way to the mountains and all that. So I did this music to to help me uh, have money to do all this stuff. I had, you know, to pay for it.
0: Yeah, and I noticed when we've been traveling together, if if there was anyone ever asking for money or anything like that, I've noticed you've always made a point of giving a coin and making sure that you're always in a good. I don't know if it's correct to call it, symbiosis, but, you know, a mutually beneficial relationship with with your surroundings?
1: For sure. I mean, as far as I can predict or understand the the effects that my actions are going to have, I try to be as responsible as possible and uh, keep balance with, with things. I have been given a lot by this culture. So, so this is a question
0: someone asked me when... Um, I said I was interviewing you today, like how can one go about engaging with the Wiwarico and, and and learning more about their culture?
1: Well, there's there there are some movies that anyone can find. Some friends have gotten on this have started this Wirikuta Preservation Project. Okay. Which is findable on Instagram. Yeah. Um I would also invite anyone that's interested to just, just uh, trust in, in what life has gotten for you and be, be open to signs and the right path for each person will be drawn in front of them to arrive to wherever
0: they need to arrive. And I guess the flip side of that question is, you know, I've, I've heard of, of stories of people going to the desert, harvesting, eating, making their own ceremonies and not having a good time. What's your view on you know, folks, folks going out there and kind of doing it themselves? Certainly Michael Pollan wouldn't approve and perhaps with the situation facing the medicine regarding conservation, it's important to do it with, with folks that you know are helping to
1: keep this tradition alive. Sure, um, my choice, has been to go alongside these people that have been relating to this environment and this plant and this spirit for a long, long time. I've also heard stories of people that go by themselves and have an incredible experience. And I've been going always with this great companionship and sometimes have very bad experiences. So I I, I believe that it's your the manner in which you approach the desert and the spirit of the plant that just comes back to you, I would say, work on yourself, respect everything, respect life, and uh, and have um, f- cross your fingers. No? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's one thing, though. What 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 kind of challenging experiences have you had? Because I, I think in the conversation now with this Western psychedelic revolution. Often there is a lot of just focus on on the one, the positive side. So I think it is important when we're having these conversations to to show that it's not all rainbows and
1: butterflies. My bad experiences have come, I guess, from judging myself too harshly and also realizing that I've beaten more than what I can chew. So um, it's basically just shown me or myself and uh, being in a place where you cannot look away we were talking about the commitment the five-year commitments and all this for me it's a lifetime commitment and who do you commit with who do you make this commitment with with the fire with the sacred blue deer with the person that invited you to the community i believe that commitment is with yourself and if you're in this for like just flashy experiences you're probably gonna get it, but I think there's something a lot more interesting in just developing love for yourself. And uh, but it's not easy, is it? Well, it depends on how how <laughs> likable you are. <laughs> deep, deep, in deep. Yeah, in the really deep.
0: Yeah, yes. That I mean, that's the thing. That that first that first harvest, that first ceremony. I really saw myself and I remember I was telling people in the group the next day when we were walking and they were like no you know you're a lovely guy and and stuff but yeah maybe that's maybe that's a true but there there were and are aspects of myself that I want and wanted to to work on and yeah I think peyote certainly illuminates that to us and that can be difficult but it's obviously necessary if, yeah. if we if we want
1: to improve as human beings and men You know what, I think that when you eat peyote, you engage in this exchange with uh, this spirit and and this spirit uh, or this plant sometimes gives you a great, great time. Like you see colors, you feel love in every cell of your body. You understand that you're one with the clouds and the rain, whatever, no? Very, very beautiful experiences. And... I think that peyote is expecting you to share your human experience with it. And if you're given such a lovely gift, you want to reciprocate sure. in, a, in, a, in a fitting way. So when you find yourself not doing the best you can or giving peyote back the best human experience you can give it, you start like uh, feeling ashamed, I guess, mm-hmm. no? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that forces you to, to look at what you can do better next time Absolutely, and, and more than that more than these kinds of like
0: psycho-spiritual transformations people have had we don't have to necessarily go into the details they're not necessarily backed by science but I've, I've personally heard some really um, really striking stories of, of
1: recoveries from certain illnesses Yeah, I believe thanks to Peyote that we are authors of our own experience and you can manifest or live, live out whatever you want to live. No? Um, do, you, do you still have some growing hair? I do. Yeah. How, how old are they now? The, the, the oldest ones I have are around eight years old. Eight. I mean, I, that I harvested them eight years okay. ago and they've been with me ever since.
0: Because it takes that—that's the whole thing with the conservation story—is that it takes about fifteen years for them to kind of form fully from 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 a seed, which is a, which is a rather long time. Even trees, even certain trees can grow in that time.
1: Yeah, and bear fruit in that time. Yeah, it takes them a long time. They, I guess, they grow up with a lot of effort because they only they got. Not much water and a lot of sunlight, but that's the way they like it. So <laughs> that's why they they decided to grow there, you know, or uh, yeah, it takes a long time for them to, to grow. But, you know, it amazes me that I've been sometimes to the desert more than I can remember. But I, I can recognize the places where I've been maybe six months Earlier or one year earlier, and remembered not finding any hikuri in that area, and going there next time and being amazed by the the amount of peyote found in the same place. I can even see the like the some of the offerings that we left the last time. It seems to grow from one night to the other sometimes.
0: So that that supports this kind of argument of, of the deer footsteps as, as opposed to the more um, rationalist 15 years to form argument. Yeah, both are true, I guess. <laughs> well, I think that's an interesting note um, to leave it. <laughs> There's this play right now during this whole psychedelic revolution of this, you know, the people that uh, want to see the data and then the people that have spent time with these indigenous communities. And believe that there may be much more than
1: mere data. Absolutely, and as someone that has spent some some time with them and whose view of the world has been affected by the experiences of their culture, but also having been raised and grown in a in a in this other more rational way of looking at the world, uh, I believe there's a lot of responsibility in like being being honest and trying to, to not match them, but to, to, to have these two ways of looking at, at uh, the situation, I, I guess it would be irresponsible to say, just say, oh, don't worry, peyote is going to magically grow again.